Hey, I'm Dave Black, and this is Letters from Combe. When you're driving down US 191 south to Cedar Mesa or Monument Valley from the Blanding or East Side, a lot of drivers focus on scanning the roadside for suicide deer, and they don't, they miss a lot. But if they could just pull over and take their eyes off the road, they would get a glimpse of what they're missing. On a clear day at various spots between Monticello and Blanding, past Devil's Canyon, as you're about to descend into recapture, what you'll see is a staggering panorama vista of four corners and bear's ears. To the north, the snow-covered LaSalle's are behind you. To the east, Sleeping Ute Mountain and Mesa Verde. To the southeast, Shiprock to the south, Comb Ridge and the Mule Ear Diatreme, to the southwest, Navajo Mountain, Valley of the Gods, Monument Valley, and to the west, the Blue or the Abajo Mountains and the Bears Ears Buttes. This panorama alone is worth the long drive down there to, to see, and it gives, the, it gives the observer a hint of the immenseness and complexity of the Bears Ears and the Four Corners area. It's an especially good distant view of the diatremes like Shiprock and Mule Ear. Diatreme, you ask? Well, welcome to the world of intrusive structures, intrusive igneous structures, and let's talk about them briefly so you'll know what you're looking at. First, let me start by telling you that igneous structures are classified by shape, depth of formation, and its relation to the surrounding rock. The first one we'll talk about is a lacolith. A lacolith is a body of igneous rock intruded or pushed into the space between the layers of sedimentary rock. You know, all that sandstone layering we've been talking about? And that results in an uplift. As the uplifted sedimentary layers erode away, the lacolith is exposed. Classic examples are the Blue or the Abajo Mountains, the LaSalle's, the Henry's, the San Juan's, and the Sleeping Ute Mountain. So back to the original question, what's a diatreme? Well, a diatreme is a long vertical volcanic neck or pipe that's formed when gas-filled magma forces its way up through overlying strata. There are some 80, 80 or so diatremes in what's called the Navajo Volcanic Field, and that includes Shiprock and its radiating dikes. Shiprock is a 1,400-foot volcanic neck, a remnant of a violent volcanic explosion. And since we've mentioned dikes, let's talk about that just for a moment. Mark, dikes are intrusive rock material that occupies a cross-cutting crack or fracture that crosses the trend of horizontal layering. According to various accounts of the Navajo creation story, Shiprock was earth that became a big giant bird of prey. The last of 16 monsters the Hero Twins had to slay before humans could come to live in the present world. The bird carried the Navajo to the desert from the far north and landed at sunset and turned back into stone. By the way, Shiprock has been illegal now for climbing for over 40 years, despite rumors to the contrary. Don't even try it.
So what are the things that aggravate you when you're in the back country, say down in, in uh, Bears Ears territory? What is it that, that bothers me down there that aggravates me? Now, I'll, I'll give you three things, the top three. Black fly, no CMs. The bane of my existence when I'm out there. They're on the Cedar Mesa from April through June, and they're just a nightmare. The second is bad sunburn. I'm horribly lame when it comes to putting on um, sunscreen. I don't know if, why I have an aversion to sunscreen, but I do. And I always go without it, and I always come back with a bad sunburn. I look like a piece of jerky. And the third one is poison ivy. Yep, I said poison ivy. And you're probably thinking, well, how do you have poison ivy in the desert? We have lots of it in the Four Corners area. And it's something that we haven't yet discussed. We haven't talked about toxic plants. So there's no time like the present. Let's, let's talk about it for a minute. And just off the top of my head, and you have to understand that I'm not a botanist. I can only go by my, my own field experience. But I can think of about 14. I think I can't, my list has 14. Yep, 14 plants that, that grow wild down here, that are native down here, that could make you sick or very uncomfortable if you touched them or worse, ate them. <laughs> we'll start with poison ivy. Poison ivy is a very common plant in the slots because it likes moist, shady areas. It has a compound in the sap called urushiol. It's in the stems and leaves, and it causes skin irritation and serious contact dermatitis within about 24 hours, or it can be longer before the symptoms show up. So how do you identify it? How do you keep yourself from tromping through a, a, a grove of poison ivy? Well, the ditty Leaves of Three, Let It Be, is a good idea. Leaves of Three, Let It Be. The leaves of poison ivy grow in three-leaf clusters. The leaves are usually smooth and glossy. And uh, the middle leaf is usually the largest, and the two side leaves grow directly out of the main stem. And there might be some berries on the bush, some white berries. In Utah, the leaves are usually dark to bright green in late spring and summer, and probably red in the fall. And uh, they do fall off the stems in the winter and leave the stems behind, protruding from the ground. And you can get an exposure from the stems. The symptoms are redness, itching, swelling, and blisters. If you think you've been exposed, act fast. Uh, I got my first reaction to Utah's poison ivy in my early 20s after a night, uh, a nighttime potty break while camping. <laughs> you can use your imagination on that one. It's, uh, is, it was every bit as awful as, you, as it sounds. Once you're sensitized, they say you remain allergic. It's, you can't desensitize. A few years later, I had my first 
reaction to California's poison oak when I soloed the poison oak crack in Pinnacles National Monument, wearing shorts, no shirt, and I fought my way through the strange-looking bush midway up the crack. That was a no-brainer. Okay, the symptoms of the contact dermatitis again are redness, itching, swelling, and blisters. If you think you've been exposed, clean your skin with rubbing alcohol if you've got it. Pour some rubbing alcohol on it and scrape it with a credit card. Get it all off. Get the urethra all off. Or you can uh, use that half pint of rot gut tequila or vodka you've got in your first aid kit. And then lather with soap, rinse, and repeat. And those two remedies, those two actions, can make a big difference if you catch it within 60 minutes of your exposure. Avoid scratching the site. Clean up your equipment and clothes after the trip. I would have to say that I've seen poison ivy in the majority of the slot canyons I've done in, in Utah. You may have to repel. You may actually have to repel directly into it to get out of the canyon. I've seen it in the Bluffettes, on Tank Mesa, Dragonfly in Arches, Pleiades in above Moab and La Salle's. I've seen it in Medieval Chamber, Blue John, Leprechaun, just to name a few. I can still see a lot of those in my head because um, they were quite impressive experiences repelling into the, into the abyss of poison ivy. The next plant we're going to talk about is Jimson weed. It's also known as sacred datura, thorn apple, and moonflower. It's a native to the Four Corners area and it grows in abundance in the bear's ears. It's a large shrub that grows up to five feet tall. It's got velvety green stems and leaves with spiky ping pong ball size seed pods. The flowers are large and white and they bloom in the summertime, opening at night and closing in the day. And, it, and Daytura, by the way, has a very distinct smell that you won't forget once you've smelled it. drive through Blanding, it's everywhere. People have it growing in their yards, not on purpose. Well, some people like it. It's very decorative. Uh, it's all over Cedar Mesa. It's in North Wash, Arches, everywhere, everywhere down here. And eating any part of it can be fatal. Datura is often abused in recreational use because the user is curious about its hallucinogenic and intoxicant pr properties. And many people around the world die from Datura overdose because it's difficult to judge how much poison you're taking in when you ingest it. The poison contained in Datura is scopalamine with some atropine and hyoscopine. And it produces an anticholinergic toxicity. Say that 10 times fast. And what are the symptoms of an anticholinergic toxicity? The symptoms occur within an hour of ingestion and they can last up to 48 hours. And the easiest way to remember these is to remember this ditty. Blind as a bat, Mad as a hatter, red as a beet, 
dry as a bone. And it goes on to say, bowel and bladder lose their tone and the heart runs alone. But the, the first four are, are the ones that you want to remember. So I'm going to repeat those again. Blind as a bat, mad as a hatter, red as a beet, dry as a bone. The symptoms include light sensitivity, slow pupil reaction, uh, hallucinations, delirium, seizures, anxiety, hyperthermia. Uh, you have dry skin and mucous membranes are dry and an absence of sweating. Decreased bowel sounds, decreased urine retention, and an overdose with uh, Jimson weed will produce tachycardia and changes in your heart rhythm and it will increase your blood pressure. And at this point, you have a, a medical emergency. So get to an ER. Im immediately remove any plant pieces from the victim's mouth and skin and call poison control. Lupine and monkshood are two very beautiful flowering plants. Uh, lupine is known as blue bonnet in some places. Uh, and, and down in southern Utah, it's just called lupine. It's a native plant growing in the sagebrush and grassland or in the forest up to uh, about 10,000 feet. The plant grows up to 20 inches tall. It has compound leaves with six to nine lance-shaped leaflets with a silvery lining and it has a hairy legume seed pod, like a, like a pea pod. The flowers are usually purple, but can be blue or white. All parts of it are toxic, especially the seeds. It contains alkaloids like lupinine, which are known to be toxic enough to make you at least uncomfortable if you eat it, if you consume it. It can f cause a fatal intoxication but um, large amounts of it have to be consumed quickly in order for it to be fatal. And it also has a foul and bitter taste, which, will, which would keep anyone from consuming very much of it. Monkshood is a native plant that is sometimes mistaken for lupine, but the flowers are generally a different shape and a darker blue rather than purple. Monk's hood contains aconitine, a, a cardiotoxin and neurotoxin. Signs and symptoms might include changes in the heart rate or rhythm, numbness or tingling, nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, um, diarrhea and dyspnea, which is difficulty breathing. There's no specific antidote, so get to a doctor if, you, uh, if anyone has consumed any of these. Okay, that's it for our toxic plants section. We only covered a couple of those because these are the ones that you're most likely to uh, come in contact with. And really, poison ivy and uh, detour are probably the biggest concerns. Cattlemen have a, a real problem with lupine and monkshood, but uh, humans normally don't. Because nobody grazes. <laughs> In our next episode, we'll be finishing up our sandstone extravaganza by talking about four additional layers. We'll be talking about them very briefly, 
they're the Wingate, the Entrada, the Chinley, and the Cayenta Sandstone. And oh, on that long drive we mentioned, down Blanding Way to Monument Valley or Bears Ears, on that drive you better behave. There are some interesting laws on the books in the four states of the Four Corners and the reservation. Number one, in Utah, don't annoy or interrupt the milkman or the city engineer. Number two, birds have the right of way in Utah. Number three, you may not hunt whales in Utah or fish from a horse. Oh, and in Arizona and in Utah, you cannot trip a horse. Number four, your elephant needs a bell around its neck in Arizona. Number five, put away your spurs before you enter a hotel lobby. And don't sing in your swimming suit. Number six, in Utah, you can own a nuclear weapon, but you can't use it. Honey, do you know where I put the nuclear weapon? Okay, number seven, no fornicating in Utah, and especially in an ambulance. In fact, if you're, if you're, even if you're dancing, there has to be daylight between the bodies. And ladies, you, you can't marry your cousin until you're at least 50. But hey, do what you want, because it's your husband who's responsible legally for any crimes you commit. That's Letters from Combe. I'm Dave Black. Now, I can't guarantee these laws are still in the books. I don't keep up with the local legislation. But you never know. Life's a crapshoot. Good luck. I'm Dave Black, and this is Letters from Combe.